0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM, and podcast from oar.org.nz Welcome to the Dunedin Yoga Lady. This is a show that obviously we're talking about yoga, and yoga in its very broadest sense. So maybe you already practice yoga and want to learn more or deepen your understanding of what you already know, or perhaps... You have a friend or a family member who loves yoga and raves about yoga and is slightly curious but not sure if yoga is for you. So today we're going to talk about my favorite aspect of yoga. So I'm Kate, Kate Bendel. I've been practicing yoga for over 35 years, teaching for around 25 years and I'm still as passionate and as excited about yoga today as I was when I first started as a 17-year-old I was. However, there has been an evolution, a change in my practice, which happens to most people who stay with any one discipline for some time. It evolves over time. And what I want to share with you today is where my practice has taken me, and it has taken me to the realm of chanting. So initially, my practice, as most people's are, especially in the West, we usually start with the physical. Often we start a yoga practice by going to what we know as a yoga class, and we move and we breathe. Um, And for a lot of people, this is kind of what you stick with. I was fortunate enough to have an experience that opened the door into traditional yoga. So the yoga that you would be more likely to encounter perhaps in India itself and the yoga that has been consistently practiced for thousands of years. And this traditional yoga, it had the physical aspect to it, but it had more. It had chanting, and my exposure to this was probably about eight years ago, maybe it was 10, and it completely has changed the path of my yoga practice and also my teaching and my training, that the use of sound in the yoga took the yoga to another level. It deepened the practice itself and it also introduced me into the philosophy of yoga, um, and the which in itself has been probably the most rewarding aspect of yoga, I must say honestly. So, in terms of chanting, today I'm going to share with you a couple of my favorite chants and also a little explanation of what is this chanting that we're doing? And where does it kind of fit in the practices? So if you have ever come along to a yoga class of mine in Indonesian here, at the moment, I'm currently just teaching at New Yoga, beautiful studio in Princess Street. When we do the physical practice, the movement, the asana, often we are chanting in that practice. So what I mean by that is if you walked into a normal yoga room, you'll see people doing physical postures, and it will be silent, usually, or you might hear heavy breathing. Um, It depends what's going on. When you come into a vini yoga class, which is what I teach, there is a word usually one or two, at the most, a little phrase of three words. Generally speaking, they're words that are Sanskrit, and people are chanting them at various bits of their practice. And this is how we use chanting in a practice. So we use it as a tool. So at the risk of stating the obvious, what a chant is, it is sound. That is carried on your breath just like speeches so when we use a Vedic chant it's actually a mantra it's it's a very deep significant Sanskrit word and when we use it in a yoga practice as a tool it's doing quite a few things one of the things on the very gross level on the kind of physiological level is that it, It extends your exhale. I've talked about the breath before in this show quite a lot because yoga is very interested in your breath. And when we can extend the exhale, that's considered a very good thing. It's one of the goals of a yoga practice, actually, is to make your exhale longer. Remembering that the exhale is the breath, that we're removing toxins, and in yoga there is this idea that we already have everything within us, perfectly within us, to be calm, peaceful, happy, bright, positive, but that that gets covered over by We use the words toxins, but that's not toxins as in the West. We sometimes think of toxins as, oh, I need to go on a green smoothie cleanse. It's more than that. It's meaning like your mind can have toxins, your own negativity, our own um, blockages, where we get stuck in our own system. So when we extend the exhale, we can remove some of those toxins. So chanting, does that in a very, very easy way. Like you're not really aware when you're chanting that you're extending your exhale, but it, it is what happens. And what it also happens when you use it in a yoga practice is it gives your mind something to focus on. Again, I've already talked about how yoga is actually a practice of the mind. We're doing the yoga practice so that we can still the mind because when the mind is still and calm, our true nature emerges. And for some people, having a chant that they can hear is just one extra tool to try and focus and slow the mind down. Maybe you can relate to the experience of you can be doing something, you can be actually doing your yoga, but your mind has wandered off. You can be thinking of something completely different. So if you have a chant to listen to, it, is, it gives your mind something to, to listen to. And it also gives you a little reminder when you notice, oh, I'm not listening to my chant anymore. So it's like a wee thing to help you stay on track. What it also does, depending on what word that you're chanting, the vibration of that chant comes into your system. Remember, yoga is based on a a model that you are more than muscles and bones and a physical layer, that you have many dimensions as a human being, and obviously we can't see them all, but sound and vibration connects with all of them. And in fact, sound is considered the most potent because it's vibration, the v- most potent tool of yoga. And I must say, I was teaching a class on Monday, it was, and it's a class for over 65. And in that class, we're using chanting. And after the class, one of the students came up and said, wow, that I really got very, very hot in that practice. It was not a hot day. And we none of us were getting hot from physical activity at all. We, the movement was fairly gentle. But the use of sound can be very heating because it's that process of removing toxins. And so she, she had a real time experience of actually how potent sound can be. So there's some of the reasons that we use chanting in our yoga practice. And depending on the word that's chosen, the teacher will carefully choose the right mantra to go with the practice we don't just randomly choose a word say if I'm doing a practice that's based on that we're wanting to be energized and wake up the system we would choose a chant or I would choose a chant that is something to do with light or fire or something energizing and heating and I would not choose that word if we were doing a chant that's in the evening, knowing that people want to go home and relax and go to bed, we would use a chant that maybe is more grounding or is more soothing. And so that's chanting within a yoga practice. And if you've never tried it, come and try it. It's, it's really, really amazing. And for for some of us in in our country, some of us are not used to making sound and sometimes there can be a re- reservation about I can't sing. It's not about singing. You don't need to do it tunefully. It's not about making a sound that is pleasant. It's actually just allowing your own sound, your own vibration to come out. So that's one way that we use chanting. But also in yoga, there is a whole, Entire practice itself, which is the practice of Vedic chanting. And eventually, over time, this is where I have ended up going down the path of chanting. I'm currently training to be a a chanting teacher, um, which is a fairly rigorous process. Um, So, before I talk to you about that, which I do want to talk a little more about that. I'm just going to chant for you, just so you have some sense of what is this chanting that she's actually talking about, and it's also the chant that I'm going to chant is the one that my lineage chants, and it calls for the blessings of the teachers in my lineage and divine forces, and often in India, this is a fairly standard thing to do, before we embark on something new or if there's something, an important endeavor or anything to do with sacred texts, it is a fairly common thing to chant beforehand. And it also asks to remove obstacles, seek protection and nourishment and asking for a sort of an auspicious beginning. So I'm going to chant this for you and what you're listening to Is a Sanskrit chant, and at the end of the show today, I will also be doing a forgiveness chant, because understanding that I am likely to make mistakes, you may not hear them because you maybe you don't know what it's meant to sound like. But it's a very precise chant. It's not like singing. Like there's a lot of rules involved in here, and it's quite likely that I will make a mistake. So here we go. Shuklam
1: Parataram Vishnum Shashivar Chatur Pujam Prasanna vadanan Yayeta Sarvavik Nopashantaye Yasya Tvirata Parishatya Parashatam. Big Nan Nick Nanti Satatan. Bishwakse Nanta Nyanananda Mayam Devam. Nirmalas Padikat Ata Ram Sarva Vidyanam, I agree Pundari Kasana Sinam, Pandura Prendusani Pam, Akanda Bodajanakam. I agree. Vamupasmihi. Guru piyastat. Guru piyastha. Namo prini mahi. Dampati jagadampati. Shri Krishna Vagi Shayati Swarapyam Samprakta Chakrankana Pashasaram Shri Nudh Naran Gendraya Shri Krishna Maryam Guru Varya Mi Dhe, Kātike Māse, Shatata Rākṛto Dayam, Yoga ācāryam Krishnamāryam, Guru Varya Maham Phaji, Shri Guru Pyo Namaha Harihi O
0: So that is just an example of what Vedic chanting sounds like. So, Many, many cultures use sound as part of their spiritual practice. Um, And in the Indian tradition of yoga, sound, especially as embodied in the Vedas, Vedas, is exalted to a status second only to the supreme. It is considered sort of the ultimate practice in some ways. So the Vedas, for those of you who don't know, are texts that, it's a collection of prayers or hymns that have believed to have been revealed to ancient Indian rishis. Rishi is like a seer or a sage or a person who was in a very, very deep meditative state. And this vast collection of hymns is what forms the basis of Sanatana Dharma and is held to be very sacrosanct, sacrosanct. So that is um, why the process of learning them is not a casual matter. The process of learning them is done through this process called adhyayinam. And that is how I am learning. That is how millions of people have learned them for thousands of years. And it's an oral tradition. So how we learn is you must sit with a teacher. So there is this intimate relationship with the teacher and the teacher chants and you listen and you repeat back what you've heard exactly. And until you get it right, the teacher will chant again and you repeat back again what you heard Exactly. So it's very different than most of the learning processes that I've ever been involved in, I must say. It's very rigorous, but it's also something amazing happens in the process of this adyanyam learning process. It's The process in itself is like a meditation, like the mind becomes incredibly clear and still and if it's not you're not able to hear what the teacher is chanting and you make mistakes so there's this immediate feedback in the process itself of the state of your own mind Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I'm finding it very rewarding is that it is kind of a, a, a deeper level than just doing asana. Also it wasn't available for people to do this Vedic chanting until fairly recently um, until probably TK Krishnamacharya which is, he's the lineage that I follow, he was a Brahmin and Up until like 70 years ago, all the history before that date, the only people who were considered suitable to do Vedic chanting were Brahmin males. And so for us now to be able to participate in this ancient tradition is a wonderful thing. Um, And Krishnamacharya opened the doors to Vedic chanting, not just because he felt... Oh, I'm going to make that up like he he was a Brahmin himself. So, of course, he followed all the the rules of being a Brahmin, but he found some references in the Shastras, the sacred text that said in a time of crises, uh, anyone who is interested may be taught Vedic chanting. And that was, you know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. And in his perception, the world was in crisis then. And I think he may have been right. It's been in crisis since then, probably. And so now there are people like myself, Western students, female Western students, who are learning this process of Vedic chanting and we are now teaching it to our students. It's still not that popular, it's still not that well known, because the learning of it's not casual, it's not something that's kind of easy, necessarily, it does require a fair amount of discipline, but the rewards in it feel absolutely worth it for me. And one of the reasons for that is the mantras that are in Vedic chanting, they're powerful sounds. And when we pronounce them in the right manner, and they are so specific, it's pitch and it's the sound of every single syllable. When they're pronounced correctly and with the right intention, they produce specific vibrations within the body. And these vibrations have the ability to positively influence our physiological state. And they can therefore improve our physical, mental and emotional health. And I would personally really attest to that. That has been my experience and the students I work with and my family members that I have taught chanting to have all found that it has had an incredibly positive effect. So what I want to finish with today or come close to finishing with is my favorite chant. Out of all the chants I know, this is one of the earlier chants I learned um, and I still love it. It's the chant of faith and faith can be it's not just religious faith. Faith means anything that you have strong conviction in. And faith is what helps us get through when times are hard. So this is the shada that I'm going to chant for you.
1: Aum Vindate Havihi Shradham pagasya mudhani vachasave dayamasi priya Tadataha, dadataha priya didasataha priyam bhojeshu yajvasu idamma uditankriti Yatak deva asureshu Shraddha mugreshu chakvire Edam gojeshu yajvasu Asmatamuditankriti Shraddha deva yajamana ha upa satī shadha ko huyate avihī shadha prathā vāmhe madhyām dinam parī suryaśya Śrādhi śrādhā pāyī ha-mā, śrādhā divānādhi vāste, jagatā, mkāmasya mātaraṁ, aviṣā
0: I will do my forgiveness prayer when I finish the show because I know we're finishing time-wise. So thank you for joining me today. You've been listening to Kate Bendel the Dunedin Yoga Lady. I hope you've enjoyed that chanting and there may be more chanting coming. And if you're looking to maybe do some chanting or curious about it, I have a website the Dunedin Yoga Lady, where you could look on and there's ways to contact me or maybe come to classes where they definitely will be chanting. So thanks for listening and have a great day. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New
1: Zealand On Air.